0: Welcome back to the Modern Cop Podcast. Nick, I got it right that time. Uh, I yay. Got, yay! I got Nick Tuttle with me, founder and uh, inventor, actually. I guess you invented it before you founded a business out of it. Uh, inventor of the mic Loop. Uh, he's correct. a He's a former law enforcement officer uh, out there in the Midwest, I believe, in Arkansas, correct? Correct. All right. So we're gonna dive into uh, to a conversation here with uh, with Nick. He and I've been talking for like thirty minutes and giggling like little schoolgirls over here uh, about all sorts of stuff. Uh, and we've also commented on the uh, angles, our little camera angles that we're at right now, uh, because mine looks like I'm fifty years old taking a Facebook profile photo. So uh, that's why this shit's not on YouTube. Uh, at least not yet. I do apologize. You might hear the dogs in the background. They're just going to be assholes. That's what they do, um, especially when they're not getting any love and attention. Uh, but, Nick, thank you so much for carving out uh, your evening to to take some time and talk to me, man. I really, really do appreciate it. How's everything out there in Arkansas?
1: Um, well, it depends on the day or the time of day if you're talking about the weather because it pretty much fluctuates up and down depending on the mood. That someone else is in, but not me. I would prefer it to be nice and warm, probably like it is where you are. But you know, other than that, I can be snowing in the morning and sunburning you in the afternoon. But uh, everything else is good. You know, can't complain. No real complaints. Just being an old bastard who's grumpy.
0: <laughs> hey, you know what? You've earned that, right, Nick? To be an old bastard who's grumpy. I have. <laughs> so, Nick and I, we're going to get through uh, Nick's icebreaker questions, and then we're going to. I'm going to let him. Uh, uh, sort of regale me with uh, with the story of the mic loop, and we're also going to talk about uh, Nick was a uh, was a sergeant. So we're going to talk about uh, some lessons in leadership as well. This will be a kind of a continuing theme through uh, the coming episodes of, of the Modern Cop. We're gonna we're gonna touch on on leadership because it it seems that across the board, no matter where you work, um, I mean, I see it on social media all the time. People constantly uh, complaining about uh, uh, the leadership within their agencies or uh you know the we've got political leadership that, that doesn't always uh do right by by us cops or first responders in general even i mean i'm sure that the You know, there are certain things that that firefighters and EMTs, you know, end up going through as well. But we will get to that all in good time. Nick, the first one I'm going to hit you with, man, I hope you have a little bit of time to think about it. You were uh, you were cussing my name out a minute ago when I when I dropped this one on you. But uh, you can have a drink with anybody living or dead. Who is it and what are you drinking?
1: Man, there's a lot of people who are alive and there are a lot of people who are dead. But um, those are true statements. You know what? I think. And and I, and I think about this, too, and it's fresh in my mind because it's my Facebook memory just reminded me of it, but probably my grandma, man. And I know she's not like a famous person as well-known, but, you know, she was taking. She was uh, maybe, let's see, in their 80s, 90s. I can't remember exactly. She was old. She was an old lady. But um, I don't know, just to sit down with her and kind of go over some stuff. And I'd probably just be drinking a glass of milk with her. I know that's pretty boring, but you know, I never, I never really knew her to tie one on, but, uh, you know, that'd probably be about it now that I sit here and think about it. I kind of had this moment of clarity whenever we're sitting here going back over this question and it's just kind of like, you know, there's nobody famous that I would just have to sit down. I don't have any amazing questions that I would try to ask them, but you know, just uh, to get another chance to sit down where that'd be pretty cool. So sorry. It's not really an amazing answer.
0: No, hell no, man. But, I like it. What, uh, I mean, my my dad's dad i never met him and uh man what i wouldn't give to sit down just for an hour with that guy uh my mom's dad too i was uh 19 i think when my mom's dad died and again just to get you know another 30 minutes to an hour uh which i think of course at the end of that 30 minutes to an hour you'd probably just want to you know you'd want a little bit more time but uh i never knew uh my mom's dad to drink and i never knew i don't know if my dad's dad drank or not man but you know, my dad's dad was English, so if he wanted a cup of tea, well, goddammit, we're drinking a cup of tea. So, I like there it, man. Go. Sit down with grandma and have a glass of milk. That's, I like that. That is that is the most <laughs> wholesome answer I've ever gotten on this
1: show. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm a wholesome guy.
0: I feel like I should go put a cardigan on and we'll go sing uh, <laughs> sing some songs and Won't You Be My Neighbor and whatnot. So <laughs> I, I could
1: go grab one right now, probably.
0: Yeah, well, and you might have justification for it. It is, it is like seventy-five degrees outside here, but it's it's awesome weather in Arizona. So
1: well, no, you no, can suck it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, it is sixty in the morning. So I mean, we do get a little chilly.
1: <laughs> you might see the steam of your coffee out there on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's no, not too bad out here, man. It's 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 it, you know, it's just one of those. things. There's an old saying about about Arkansas weather. While we're wrapping this topic of the weather up you know if you don't like it just stick around because it's going to change right and that's pretty much the truth you know my wife and i we drove an hour north of here and no shit it was rainy weather but started hammering snow on us out of nowhere 39 degrees hammering wet snow not sticking just hammering us and then we drive back here and it's dry just an hour north it's 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 ridiculous
0: I drove from um, my I had a buddy of mine stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and so my we had a family vacation out in Myrtle Beach and uh, my dad and I drove from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to Fort Bragg, North Carolina and it went from like crisp, clear blue skies, great weather to total thunderstorm to crisp, clear blue skies, great weather to another total thunderstorm. like, what the shit is happening with this weather right now?" <laughs>
1: like you're driving through a dotted line.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The, do- <laughs> the dotted lines on the map are actually just indicative of where the weather changes are. Those aren't, those aren't yeah. borders or anything.
1: <laughs> Who cares? Oh,
0: yeah. oh man. <clears throat> uh, All right.
1: Next question.
0: Next question. Uh, what books are you currently reading or listening to? I understand you're big, uh, big in audio books <laughs> as your, as your preference.
1: Yeah, man, looking at words puts me to sleep. It always has. I've never been able to, to fully um, engulf myself into a book, unless I had to do it for a grade. But um, you know, my uh my audio books they they really fluctuate depending on my mood. Um, the one that's currently open on my book right in my audio book, um, Audible. I'm stupid. Uh, my Audible right now is uh, Leadership Strategy and Tactics with uh Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. You know, it's um one I've, I actually have the hardback and the audio book. I actually prefer to listen to the authors read it to me because I feel like they can really put the emphasis on mm-hmm. what they are trying to say versus listen to audiobooks where they have a guest reader. Sometimes it just sounds like the, the B or C actor trying to fill a role and it really sucks. But um, those guys really have it dialed in on their topics. And um, I'm a big fan of, of all of their literature.
0: Yeah, that I, I I will say that I do. I just picked up The Dichotomy of Leadership and Extreme Ownership on hardback today. But I've listened to both of the the audiobooks and it's it was it was awesome to be able to hear Jocko and Leif tell their own story you know, mm-hmm. within these books and like you said they'll they'll put emphasis on the parts that need it cuz it, obviously they know it. They're the ones who wrote the damn book. So Oh yeah, it they is, lived it. And and lived it, exactly. They do a, a phenomenal job reading their own audiobooks. Um, the reason that I picked up the hardcovers today is just I can't I can't scribble in the margins of an audiobook. You know, I can't highlight an audiobook type of thing. So I mean, I guess you could try. I could try.
1: But your, your iPad <laughs> or your iPhone will just have highlighter all over just it. Just have
0: highlighter and scribble mark all over it. <laughs> Which I have a two-year-old, so my iPad probably isn't too far from having markers and scribble all over it anyways so. and, and slobber and it's slobber snot
1: <laughs> i know the feeling bodily fluids
0: mashed up food <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a good time great now i'm yeah. thinking about that <laughs> uh all right and uh re- so because this is one of their newer ones remind me of the title again
1: leadership strategy and tactics
0: leadership it's strategy um, and tactics okay
1: yeah, it's, it's just Jocko. It's not, it's not late in, in, on this one, but, um, Jocko just kind of, it's, he looks at it more as a, as a field manual, kind of like the Discipline equals Freedom field manual. Um, it's a book that's laid out as such as that you, you're faced with a leadership challenge that you can thumb through the menu or the, the contents, the table of contents, and you could find something that cor- correlates with the challenge that you're facing and kind of look at the comparison that he would apply to it so it's a really interesting book um you know I'm I'm piecing my way through it it's not something i'm I'm dedicating tons of time to actually listening through but um you know if I sit down and I'm working on some of our our product or whatever you know sewing it together or whatever um, play it while I'm sewing try to absorb some of it you know and you can always go back and re- listen to to specific chapters just by how it's laid out so it, it it's like a field manual to be applied towards those challenges you know i would recommend it to anybody that is um either in a leadership position or potentially in a leadership position for that matter kind of like you know the other books they, they really apply from anywhere from the bottom to the top
0: yeah absolutely my buddy aaron and i were having this conversation uh, about these you know about about the jocko books and um he had he had made a point that these need to be reading material like, hey, congratulations, here's your badge, you're a police officer, and here's your book, make sure you fucking read this. Uh, Absolutely. And it, it needs to be at that level because uh, leadership, and again, we're, we're going to touch on this throughout the episode today, uh, rank is a title, uh, leadership is a character trait and a quality. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. You're not you know, just because you get, Hey, here's your stripes. Congratulations. You know, you are now a Sergeant of police officers. Uh, you don't also get like bippity boppity. Here's your leadership qualities. You don't get your fairy godmother out there with a little wand, you know, bopping you in the noodle and telling you how to, how to now lead people, uh, through complex and stressful, uh, situations that, that is something that I think is inherent to people and you have to work on it yourself. And it's, Again, it's not something that you just decide to go 100% full throttle on the day you get promoted, but you need to be consistently working towards it throughout your entire career. Just because you're the chief of police doesn't mean you can't learn even more about leadership. My opinion, uh, I'm sure some people out there would would possibly disagree. Um, I Probably
1: I, the chief of police. I, you, well, you know what I what
0: I will say, that may very well be true at some agencies. My chief has a dichotomy of leadership. There's a very well-worn copy on his desk. Um, so that was a
1: good time.
0: Yeah. 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 It's a shout out. Shout out to him for, uh, uh, um, having, having the, uh, wherewithal to keep thumbing through that book, you know, no matter how far into his career he gets. But, uh, at any rate, all right. I like it, man. The Jocko books are always solid. Again, I I've listened to them. I'm reading them. Uh, I will start on one tonight and, uh, and just keep pushing through it. So I like it. Um, Next up, what is a conspiracy theory that you wholeheartedly believe to be true?
1: Um, the Wuhan <laughs> The Wuhan labs, bro. The Wuhan I'm like, labs. I, I'm like, Fauci can tell you what he wants but I believe it 100% that yeah. those things exist and that was that whole that whole conspiracy I don't want to like dive into it because I'm going to sound like a lunatic on your podcast <laughs> I don't want to do that to you but that's that's the one and it's it's probably the one that I believe the most because it's still fresh on the old menu. But uh, typically I try not to get into the whole conspiracies. You know, um, I've had family who dove headfirst with a rocket pack on their back down right into the conspiracy hole. And um, I uh, distanced myself from them as a result of that. So I don't ever want to be that guy, but unfortunately I see why they did it because as I get older, I, you know, see through the bullshit of a lot of stuff and, and you start to sound like a crazy person when you try to tell people the truth. So that's, that's the one that's fresh on the menu for me is the whole Wuhan lab situation and every every ounce of madness that it's brought to uh, to everyone here and everywhere. So yeah. that's my take on that one.
0: I think that the implications of coronavirus are going to be felt uh, for quite some time. I know Fauci's trying oh, to yeah. say that there's the the new variant uh 30 times more contagious than the uh the last variant uh the omicron i had i had covid the the omicron variant it sucks there's no two ways about it but 3 days later i was fine um uh, uh you know yeah i had it too we can that was- we can dive down again dive <laughs> down the rabbit hole of uh, of personal health as i look at your your pull-up rings in the in the background there you showed me your pull-up bar a little bit i worked out today too that that makes it that makes it like three times this year man so
1: it was 40 degrees in my garage and i was out here working in it so
0: no hell no nope Uh, nope
1: but you go planet fitness
0: no i did i was in my garage but again it's like 86 (laughs) degrees in my garage so no it's pretty hot yeah, no, no. When when it's below about 60 outside, man, I my ears get cold, I get pissy. Uh I'm in a fucking hoodie uh and like a beanie and jeans. I am my blood is so thin cuz it gets to like 118 degrees here. So, yeah, no, I don't I don't handle cold weather very well.
1: Different parts of the country, dude. Different no, parts no, of the country. No shame. No shame. No shame. <laughs>
0: I did, I heavily contemplated moving to Texas when I was trying to get hired because I figured they've got like 200 and some odd county agencies. At least one's going to hire me. So, (laughs) but luckily I got, I got picked up here in Arizona, so I didn't have to leave too far from home. Um, But, uh, but with that, we'll segue that into uh, what, you know, how'd you end up starting out? What, what led you into law enforcement, man? Was there a catalyst or was it something that you just always wanted to do?
1: You know, it's, it's kind of strange when I've, I've visited this, question in my 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 own mind many times because i'm the only to my knowledge i'm the only person in my family that's ever been a cop i've several criminals in my family you know and um some of them were pretty bad some of them did some some time you know in the in the pen but um you know that was never really a part of my life growing up my parents did a great job shielding me from a lot of that but you know i didn't know about it but there there was never any any Incident or anything specific that drove me to, you know, want to be a cop. For as long as I can remember in my adult life, I've just always been drawn to just help people, you know. And I and I think that that's kind of the the one thing that cops all have is just this ingrained desire to just like, hey, look, I just want to help. I just want to do something to make make the situation around me or my community better. Um, None of us get in this for the money. You're not going to get rich being a cop. You know, some say, well, just move up to this area. They make more money. Yeah, but then you look at the whole cost of living scale and all that stuff. Across the board, cops really don't make a lot of money, you know, unless you're just working copious amounts of overtime to do so. But I really realized that this desire to help people grew a lot whenever I lived. um, I lived about eight years in New Orleans after I graduated high school. And um, you know, I just found myself just really seeking out to help people. I, I drove just this little shitty Dodge Neon, and I would I kept like a an eighty pound floor jack in my my car. And if you've ever been to New Orleans or the surrounding areas, there's just like twenty mile bridges just everywhere. You know, to to get, to get anywhere, there's these long stretches of roads over bayou and swamp and stuff. And um, people break down on these bridges, and they're just shit out of luck. You know because they just don't have anything so i would always stop and help them and i just found a lot of joy in just really helping people you know do things um that they needed help with that they couldn't help themselves with um uh, shortly before hurricane katrina hit i kind of had this idea in my mind it's like man i'm gonna i think i want to be a cop it just it just kind of hit me in the face like i think i want to be a cop and i thought about applying to one of the local agencies down there in a in a city called kenner kenner louisiana and, um, Hurricane Katrina hit 05. Uh, we got relocated or we, we relocated back to my, my home, hometown. And, um, that, that idea kind of went to the wayside, but, um, I met a lady who, uh, worked at a grocery store part time that I was working at as a, as a grocery store assistant. And, um, she was the administrator of a juvenile detention facility in the, the, the county that I eventually worked for and, Told her kind of like, hey, I think I want to be a cop, and she was just like, you'd make a great one. <laughs> it's like, all right, judgey character, cool. She had been a, a police captain for a long for Now nah, she she makes a captain. She was a captain of the jail, but she had been with the local uh, municipality uh, department for her entire career, and she resigned from there and became a, a jail administrator. And uh, she gave me a job, and and the rest is history. Like, I was just like, this is the path that I'm on and this is what I want to do. And, you know, I had all these aspirations to, to move from there. And I mean, it was just like, it was just like, uh, I had self-actualized in the, the journey that I wanted to go on. So, but yeah, there was never like a, you know, a cop saved me from something. And ever since then I just wanted to do it. It just kind of grew into me, man. I don't know. It just, uh, I guess you could say it's the calling, the calling of, of being a police officer. Just, spoke out to me and that's that's kind of the end of it
0: right yeah that's awesome man i mean i can i remember hearing you know oh well if you're so tired of uh of what's going on you can you can take your uniform off at any point in time and it's like nah it's just not that simple because it is so despite it is. despite our best efforts um i think that uh that especially when you're like me and you're fairly new in your career at, i mean i've been in five years but it is still such a huge part of who you are. Uh, how long were you a, a, a police officer?
1: Fourteen years. I was a sheriff deputy.
0: Fourteen years a sheriff's And uh, I apologize, sheriff deputy. Um, the county boys always have more fun than the city cops. We hate to admit it, but they actually get to chase things and we don't. Um, there's a lot more open space. A lot more open <laughs> space. Yeah, you can drive with due regard for public safety quite easily when there's no other cars on the road. <laughs> so, well, and it's
1: usually a dirt road. So. And it's
0: usually a dirt road. And, and, and your backup is also a jar of dirt. So,
1: Well, this is also
0: true. Whereas I make a traffic stop and I'm falling over like eight other police officers from
1: four cities. So, so. so to give you to give you an idea, we had 600 square miles for my county. And at any given time, there were four deputies on patrol to cover 600 square miles.
0: Man, fuck that.
1: <laughs> there may have been a lot of ass kicking going on yeah at some time
0: yeah i believe it because you had to you didn't have much of another option and to put that in perspective and again population wise i mean what what was your population in the county uh, roughly? and
1: i don't know the i don't know the number of these that county but the the largest city in in our county is fort smith arkansas and there's uh ninety thousand people in fort smith okay so that's the, that's in the county. And we Fort Smith has its own police department. However, we would back them up, and then from the county there. So, I mean, you're looking at maybe, I don't know, man, 100 and 150 grand
0: for okay. the
1: for the county as a whole. So 150,000 people that's, over. That's probably that's probably a stretch. That's totally a ballpark number. I just pulled right out of my butt.
0: Well, um, hey, I mean, you could you could convince me. I've never been to to Arkansas, but uh, uh, 600 square miles, 150,000 people, and and you had. Uh, literally a handful of deputies working at any given time. The Phoenix Metro area where I live and work is 586 square miles. And there are something like 40 some odd law enforcement agencies in this area. Um, and the County is generally relegate because Phoenix has grown so much, um, and the metro area has grown so much. There are fewer and fewer county islands within these municipalities. And so the county boys are really really relegated to, like, the outskirts. Um, but even still, I mean, I, I still get surprised. I had talked to one guy who kind of worked uh, my area and a handful of other cities. And he's like, yeah, there's four of us for this entire swathe of land. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Four of you?
1: So what's the longest you ever had to wait for backup? Uh probably
0: when I really, really, really need, I was in a fight and I think I had to wait all of about two and a half minutes for backup. I think the longest I've ever waited to like clear a house on an an alarm call where there was no signs of forced entry, like the door was just left open. I think I had to
1: wait like eight
0: minutes. (laughs) You you laugh.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at like, I'm having to like take my watch off because I know I'm about to fight this guy for 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So to give you a perspective um, and while we're still talking about, you know, this, this uh, topic, whenever I was in training, we were at the southernmost part of the County and we were just running radar, some bullshit, whatever we were doing, learning, going over some stuff with my trainer. And we got a call of some suicidal guy or whatever in the, absolute northernmost part of the county i ran code you know lights and sirens full bore as a basically a rookie you know you talk about like assholes to elbows like gonna drive like ricky bobby to get there 45 minutes lights and sirens so you know whenever you're first brand new in the car and you get the hot call and you're driving you get the adrenaline doctor white knuckling you're trying to tell yourself to calm down whatever my, my trainer's telling me to you know breathe whatever process it I had such an adrenaline dump and it took so long to get there by the time we got there I was like spent <laughs> cuz the adrenaline had worn off and I was just like
0: Ugh. I need a nap <laughs>
1: Yeah. Does anybody have a Red Bull
0: that's insane I, I had a, a, a sergeant I worked for on patrol and in the detective bureau um, He he's moved on to something else now but he had worked for a county agency in California And uh, I've never really spent any any time in Northern California, but uh, it is far more, far more open, you know, wide open space than Southern California is, at least in in many parts. Um, And he drove similar story where he was on one side of his county um, and uh, and he had to get to the other side of his county. And he I think he had to drive 45 minutes an hour also. And he was like, yeah, my second day on the job, there were two deputies and I was the senior of the two because I'd gotten out of the academy like a day or two before this other guy. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you're like the uh, on-duty supervisor <laughs> to 48 so, hours no. into your career.
1: <laughs> so, you know, you hear me tell this story about the link that we have to go, you know, hearing some of the the state troopers, the Arkansas state troopers talk about the links that they have to drive because... I mean they're even spread more thin than we are as Mm -hmm. far as like guys guys on shift at a time and i mean you talk you see a trooper blow by you at like 120 miles an hour boom they're just like a white streak and you know they're just going through a wreck they're just going to go work a wreck yeah but they got to get there they got to get there
0: and it's 48 miles from where they currently are i i want to say i talked to a arizona uh, uh we call them Department of Public Safety, but it's our state troopers, our highway patrol guys, Um, though they don't we give them a lot of shit that they only know traffic law, but they don't only focus on, they're not just highway right. patrol uh, but I think they told me that if you're doing highway patrol, if that is what your job is, which is the majority of what they do, uh, their like average speed was something like 112 miles an hour which is just, it just blows my mind uh, Sounds
1: like a ride up to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I honestly, I think I maybe got up to a hundred once and that was going to a shooting and I was on a freeway. So, uh, and it was the middle of the night. If anybody from professional standards is listening, um, there was, I was driving with due regard for public safety. <laughs> so, uh, um, a story, it's a story. A story. It's story. a, it's a story. It's a complete hypothetical. Um, uh, but no, it, it's, uh, uh, it, it is just a different world between the different types of law enforcement. and it, part it of, part of this show is to to give people those different perspectives because there's there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, you know, hey, being a city cop, yeah, heck, yeah, I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna wear the navy blue uniform and do this that and the other thing. And it's like, cool, uh, hey, when are we gonna pursue that bank robbery suspect And you're like, <laughs> we're not we're gonna get their vehicle information and we're gonna send it over to the Intel folks and let the spooks do what the spooks do and we'll find this guy in, I don't know, a few weeks. Um, county and, and Stadies, uh, hey, we're gonna chase this guy who ran a stop sign until the wheels fall off, the transmission blows through the car and uh, you know, and, and it's gonna be my birthday, so. <laughs>
1: yeah, my, my very first pursuit started on a running, ran a, a stop sign being ran and it went for uh twelve miles across the county. <laughs> it was epic.
0: Yeah, I have never never once in I did four years on patrol, not once have I ever been in a pursuit. I did I did end up having to drive down through I think we crossed a county line. Uh we were assisting uh the uh the super super secret uh guys on something and they really needed our help, like really right now. And they were chasing somebody. So we weren't chasing whoever they were chasing. We were trying to keep up with them. Um, right. And so
1: paralleling uh, the pursuit.
0: Yeah. And I ended up, <laughs> I ended up lost in the middle of the desert, literally mm-hmm. like south of Phoenix. There's nothing uh, until you hit there. There's a handful of farming communities. Uh, and then you hit the the city of Tucson. But in between all of those, it's just open, dry, dusty desert. And let it, hey, where are you? Uh, the desert. I don't actually know where I am. There's there's a bush to my left, and I nearly went into that drainage culvert, uh, but I don't actually know where the hell I am. <laughs> and my my huh. my computer doesn't work down here, so I'll figure it I'm out. On,
1: I'm on a road. <laughs> I'm
0: on a road. The, the uh, blue Explorer that I was driving was not blue when I got back. I had to go and wash it because it was a different color. You could oh, not yeah there see was any no you'd paint
1: <laughs> there was no use washing your county patrol unit man because like as soon as you get it clean boom you're going down like a clay dirt road and it just rained for days yeah you got an orange car after that it's <laughs> you're always going off road you somewhere. should just you should
0: just have orange and whites instead of black and whites or or whatever color your your police cars are so
1: you should just you should just get a busted f-150 with like you know a cage in the in the bed of the truck and just call it good I like it. You know,
0: throw some uh, uh, throw some primer just along it every now and then when it gets too too roughed up. Just spray primer back across the uh, the, the door panel and call it good. A little Rustolia Little Rustolia So you did law enforcement for 14 years. Um, did you did you work? Uh, were you exclusive to patrol or what other types of work did you do?
1: So um, my first five years was at the jail, and um, in. Uh, See, and well, no, five years, three years, three years at the jail. Um, and then 2011, we got a new sheriff and I got hired to patrol. And I spent the rest of my tenure in patrol, uh, 11 years in patrol. Um, when did I get promoted to sergeant? The years all just like run into a big melting pot for me, so I never can dial down the years, but, um, I, uh, Took over my own troop. I spent, I think I spent about four years as a sergeant uh, before I left the agency. So, yeah, my, uh, my whole career was a patrolman, man. And from where I stood, being a patrol sergeant, man, getting to, to, to lead your own troop and, and mentor guys and, and show them, you know, show them kind of how you thought things should be done. And that sounds kind of conceited and pompous to say it that way, but, you know, whenever you, You know, we're talking about leadership in this episode, whenever you explore the avenues of leadership, and you can understand that you can impart that knowledge onto others and instruct them, you know, also teaching them how to be leaders themselves, man, patrol sergeant was was money, it was the best place to be. And I would not have wanted to go anywhere if they had tried to force me to promote. You know, that was that was where I just wanted to, to stay. So, yeah. Patrol. That's where I was at. Where my heart was.
0: <laughs> and your your decision to promote was it? Uh, was it? Did you figure it was time? Was it like, you know, somebody come along tap you on the shoulder? Was it uh, your peers telling you that you should promote? What led into your decision to to take that step?
1: So it's kind of a kind of an interesting story, actually. So, um, I was a corporal for you know, under under the sergeant that I had had and i don't think he's going to listen to this podcast i really don't care if he does but he's just terrible just a just terrible leader and i was i was undergoing so much stress and and actually to the point where i was having anxiety attacks of of being bound by not being able to do anything not being able to make real decisions and just being kind of micromanaged by this by this just this bad leader and i had told my wife you know the mic loop was kind of coming up. We'd been in business for, for just, just a couple of years. And I told her, I was like, listen, I'm just, I can't take this anymore. I'm, I'm not healthy. I'm not doing good. I, I want to quit. And so we kind of made a deal. We kind of had this plan of like, okay, you can quit. Uh, just give me like, she, she said, like, give me a year or whatever the time frame was. And when we had a plan in place, I was like, okay, this is better. I felt better. But, you know, still up under this bad sergeant. And um, I had an opportunity to actually promote somebody retired or left, whatever the case was. And there's a sergeant's position open, I put in for it. And it was just a, a complete paradigm shift for me of actually getting out from under that bad leadership. And now I'm in this position to, to do everything that he wasn't doing, if that makes any sense. And it was just, it was just perfect timing for me, really. There was never a uh, um, a plan that I'd, I'd set forth to say, like, I wanted to be a sergeant or whatever the case was. You know, if it happened, it happened. It was a, a bump in pay. It was great for my family. But ultimately, I found it to be um, the best course of just the, the, the journey that I was taking. You know, there was never – there's never been – the only, I had two goals in law enforcement and that was to be, to get on patrol and to get on SWAT. And after those, I accomplished both of those and I was good. I was like, I'm getting to, I'm getting to do cop shit and getting to do cool tactical guy shit. And I was just, I was just happy, you know, happy with what I was doing until I really felt the brunt of that bad leadership, whatever, um, you know, this other sergeant took over, but, um, it was a different opportunity, man. So, I guess to answer the question in short, you know, there was never really a plan. It's just kind of the, the path that, that was in front of me and I just took took the chances when I saw
0: And in, in your uh, endeavor to to do better than, than the guy that came before you, were there a lot of learning moments as a sergeant?
1: Yeah, there were a lot of learning moments as a corporal um, because he wasn't leading the troop and I had two other guys working, you know, under me, under him. They were just like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? You know that nobody knew what to do. And so here I am trying to learn knowledge. That's where I turned, turned to uh, the book Extreme Ownership because I, I was actively seeking ways to learn how to be a better leader. You know, Googling how to be a better leader. <laughs> and, you know, um, I think I just stumbled across, you know, searching for leadership. Uh, I think I probably Googled leadership books. And extreme ownership came on and I was talking to my wife about it. I'm like, Hey, I think this book is might be what I need. And she had told me she had heard about it somewhere. So got it on audible. Boom. I mean, just the first chapter in and I was hooked and I just, I just immersed myself into this idea of, of, of extreme ownership and just understanding that, that you're responsible for everything around you. And I just absorbed that, that, um, ideal and started incorporating it into my work and it it fixed a lot of a lot of issues that i was running into with with my sergeant and with um leading this troop of guys in that you know i actually had kind of a foundation to build on with that all right all right
0: i like it um <clears throat> what were some of your uh um challenging moments as a supervisor if you if you right now, if there is a sergeant, a new sergeant or a prospective sergeant listening to this episode, um, you know, share with, with us kind of what, uh, uh, what you felt were, were challenging moments where you were like, ah, shit, what's the best way to go forward dealing with this? If any, if any
1: come to mind, you know, I think that the most challenging things that I, I personally really ever ran into was, trying to motivate guys that that were done. They were just, they were just pulled out of the job that they just wanted to sit in their phones, the entire shift, you know, they, they, they worked when they wanted to not necessarily like, Hey, listen, like we really need to get out here and do this, you know, and to really inspire them to, to really take charge and be, be a better cop than, than what they were doing, because there, there were several guys that I worked with over the years that just outstanding, outstanding cops, but they just got tired of the crap going on around them and they just unplugged, you know, and to try to, to light that fire back onto them was probably some of the most challenging, uh, challenging things that I had to face that and just trying to inspire shitheads to, to not be shitheads because they're just shitheads. You know, you that, that was always, that was always a roadblock for me to, to really, Uh, get around and sometimes you just kind of have to work with them and that's what i learned is you just kind of have to work with them
0: when uh uh, to take it back kind of to the beginning beginning of your career there are a lot of county agencies that that over the years have removed that requirement of working in the jail and and now i think that the pendulum is starting to swing i mean my own agency as as city cops i think you spend a, a like two weeks or something in the jail, right out of, right out of the academy, just to, to, you know, make sure you know how to do all the paperwork and you, you get a, a view for, you know, some of your, uh, your clientele, if you will. But you did that, that first three to five years in the jail. What, uh, was that a beneficial foundation, take it or leave it? What are your thoughts on, on working the jails as a, as a new cop?
1: Um, for me, it was good. I mean, I worked in the juvenile side, so, it's and you get a totally different perspective so the way our jail is laid out it's the the adult jail and then the juvenile jail just separated by sally port so it's not like the the kid jail is like off somewhere some separate thing you know so you really got to see you get to see who these these kids turn into and it's it's really something else man because like you can kind of pick and choose like which ones are going to be career criminals and which ones are Hey, look, maybe they have a hope, you know, but um, for me, I really got to, to learn kind of how they think without being immersed and surrounded by so many inmates where you can be duped. If, if you can understand what I'm saying, because I've seen so many jailers get just, you know, run amok by, by some of these criminals who are just, just way smarter than they are. They're just right. way they have way more experience or way more street smarts than them. So I was able to kind of to come into the JDC, Juvenile Detention Center, sorry for the acronym, um, the juvenile side of things with an adult mindset and understanding and, and see kind of how that their mindset operated. And it allowed me to kind of learn how they think at the uh, entry level. If that, that makes sure. sense. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad idea for, for someone to get exposed to that. But I don't necessarily think that it is necessary to do it. I don't think that it should be a requirement.
0: All right. Yeah, so for me, you, it was good. If you were, if you were the sheriff of your own agency, um, you sounds like you'd maybe make it an option.
1: Yeah, it could be an option. I mean, if somebody wants to work at the jail, cool. I mean, I, I don't know about where you live, but when when I got in anybody who got a job at the jail, it was always, well, I'm going to work in the jail and I'm going to go be a cop. I'm going to work in the jail and I'm going to go be on patrol. That was always the goal is to move move ahead. But some people, you know, they kind of settle in there and that's just what they do. And they're good at it. Some of the jailers, man, they are, they are good at it, you know, and, and it's just a, you have to learn how to give and take with the inmates and whatever. But, um, as far as, you know, if I were, running the show now i don't i don't think that it would be a requirement at all because uh you know like i said earlier i don't i don't think that that's necessary to to make a good cop i know plenty of good cops who came right out of you know they're 21 years old and they are green enough to they're old enough to be a, a cop now and they go to the academy and then they just they just have it they just right have what it takes
0: right yeah uh, uh guy who went to the Academy shortly after I did turned 21 in the Academy. Um, But he'd done his, uh, his like LDS uh, Mormon missionary work in Central America. And the dude's been robbed and mugged and held at gunpoint more fucking times than he knows what to do with it. Like me, I came out of like, I was a pest control dude, you know? (laughs) So to sit there and chit chat with this guy, be like, yes, I remember this one time we got robbed and, Uh, this dude had a knife and I was like, you fucking what? (laughs) And you talk about different, different levels of, uh, of life experience. Um, you know, certainly he didn't need to work at jail, but there is a a certain education. You talk about the jailers who are really good at their job, the the DOs and COs. I mean, there, that is an entirely different world in there and it can be extremely eye opening. I mean, there's, I think there's, there's certainly merit to sitting down as a, as a new cop and, and getting, you know, a, an hour or two lesson from a, from a DO or, or a, a corrections officer about just how things go down. Cause it's its own little world in, in those, inside those fences, you know? So, Oh
1: yeah, man, it's, it's nuts in there. And, and that's one thing that I, if I ever would see, you know, a, a, a city cop or, or, or even one of my guys coming into the jail and, and treating the jailers like shit, like, oh man, they're just a fucking jailer. What do they know? now i would quickly pull them aside and say you don't understand like these guys they do more than you do in one shift than you do all week you know they're they're dealing with the turd head that you brought in that you had to deal with in your car for five minutes they're dealing with him every day they're feeding him three meals they're giving him medicine they're writing down his complaints they're dragging him out of his cell when he's covering his own shit you know like they those guys work and i would always make sure to make make damn sure that my guys understood that they needed the respect, you know, and that was, and that's just the thing, you know, I mean (laughs) those guys, man, they they work hard, they don't get half the credit that they deserve
0: No, I, uh, certainly I don't ever want to wrestle with some dude covered in his own feces there was one morning coming off of graves this dude, we have been trying to find him all night and he'd been hopping fences and uh, finally, it's like 6.45 in the morning and somebody spots this guy and uh, this dude ends up just kind of staying in their backyard much to our surprise and uh come around the the corner and uh he's not you know playing the hide the hands game and like covering his body with with a corner of this house and so he gets put at gunpoint and taser point and uh we prone him out and and thankfully uh the day shift guys rolled up to to take the report for us so that we could go home although we had you know we had to fill out our paperwork saying we'd pointed weapons at this dude but it was a that's just a questionnaire really there's nothing nothing else to it but uh the day shift guy walks up to him and he's like all right guys i got this uh you know just just uh, hold on him and i'm gonna approach so that i can handcuff him and this dude gets about three feet from him and it's like are you covered in your own shit we're like, well, anyways, man, it's been fun. We're going to go home now. Best of luck to you. <laughs> I, I think the <laughs> oh, fire department's, Yeah, I'm going to be ten seven. <laughs> I think the fire department's got a bunny suit. You can throw them in. Yeah. Anyways, 99. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so was he trying to do the Arnold Schwarzenegger predator scene where he covers himself? I, you know, I don't know, man,
0: visible or what? I, I based on my very limited interaction with him, the dude was pretty crazy. Um, he was, he was a little off the deep end there, you know, a few grand, should I have a full box type of thing? Um, But maybe that's it. Maybe he was thinking that it was especially running around at night and he's a white dude, so I'm going to cover myself in my own feces to be camouflaged. You know, like this is
1: a great idea.
0: Tiger stripe just down the face. Any of you career criminals listening to the show trying to get an edge. There you go. Keys to the castle right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How far are you willing to go?
0: (laughs) How far are you willing to go? And understand it is about there is always what it
1: is about crazy people in their own feces, man. I just don't know.
0: I, yeah I don't know dude there's uh yeah how far are you willing to go and understand that there's always a rookie officer that we can push that little bit further so
1: <laughs> hello station are there any ftos yeah that are 10 hey man I think you've got a
0: great learning opportunity for your boot you should bring them down <laughs> That's when you know that you've become a uh, a true police officer, and you've been on for a few years, and you start making those phone calls and radio calls.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it when, turns into, go ahead.
0: Oh no, yeah, sorry, but I was I was gonna ask it. You know, within these fourteen years, we've talked about you know my uh, my two and a half minutes waiting for backup compared to your fifteen minute knockdown dragout fight. <laughs> I got to imagine it was one of these fifteen minute fights that led to. The the creation that uh, has allowed you to, to you've separated from law enforcement. You're running your own business. You're doing damn well with it. I mean, I've got uh, two of your products. You you'd put in mic loops for the good cops giveaway back in November. Um, I've I've run into people at at my <coughs> station who have them or want to see them or you know hey I you know. I'm not in a a normal police uniform. I'm in a specialized unit. What do you have? What's he got for plate carriers? What is it that led to the creation of uh, the mic loop? I mean, you look at it and it is such a, like many genius ideas. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, to tickle you with a feather here. Uh, It is so simple. It is so simple and it fucking works. That's the beauty of it. Uh, What now that I've, now that I've just drool, no, go ahead, drooled, no, It's okay. Yeah, no, okay. no, no. Keep now.
1: going. Keep going.
0: <laughs> now that I've drooled all over your product, uh, uh, tell me more. What uh, What is it that that what What was the light bulb moment, man? What snapped you awake at two o'clock in the morning?
1: So, it's kind of a again. You know, everything with me is like this long drawn out story. But
0: that makes for um, a good podcast. Don't worry, you can you can have a long drawn out okay. story.
1: <laughs> so. Early on in the jail, you know, we didn't wear body armor or anything, and and just like everything else, the, the, the corded radio mic that comes with your, you know, whatever Motorola, Harris, whatever brand radio you guys use, it has that little shitty clip. It's a little plastic clip that's just designed to just clip onto anything. So what's the most common thing people do? People put it up on their shoulder, you know, on the little shoulder strap or the epaulet, as it's called, as many people may not know that's called or they clip it to their shirt they go around the shoulder you know radios on the left hip it goes around your right shoulder clips onto the front of your shirt and i found out very quickly that hey this this little son of a bitch just falls off it, it doesn't matter what happens i can sit down in my chair and just the right attention on the cord, it pops off. so right away i started looking for a solution you know searching for things while i be working or be at home uh radio microphone holder, whatever the case is. And every now and then I'd see somebody with some little nylon strap and I would buy it, I would use it, it, it would be okay, but it wouldn't really work if I want it to. Or there would be a, you know, there's there's other products out there that use the button on your shirt that it like hooks onto your button. And I thought, well, this kind of works, but it's held on by your button. I mean, how many times have you had a button pop oh, off? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know? many a times. So I didn't really want to rely on that, but it's really all there was. And so I used that through the jail and, and upward into patrol, Some something that I had purchased. And, you know, I just, I, I, I had this thing where I'm just like, okay, we got Velcro and I've got paracord. I'm going to stick it together and I'm going to stick it to my vest. And I've got this cord. and I'm like, okay, cool. This works for me. Awesome. So uh, I put those together, sewed it up for myself. This was just, you know, this was just my personal fix. This wasn't, you know, something that I'm like, I'm going to invent this great idea and it's going to work. You know, I just made something to fix the problem that I had. you know, just like you would modify your, your belt or a holster or a, or a magazine holder, you know, you, you get it to work for you. And, uh, wore it to work one night shift and we're sitting at the gas station at two o'clock in the morning, shooting the shit with, with, the city cops, you know, because everything's kind of died down. And we're just kind of hanging out. I'm like, Oh, shit, check this thing out. I'm like, try to knock my radio off. And they're, they're trying to knock it off. And they can't I'm like, No, man, I made this thing, you know, and the guys are like, that's great. Can you make me one? Hell, yeah, I'll make it just buy me a buy me a Red Bull. And we're good. We're square, you know, and, and I started making them for the guys that I would see. And just one day, man, one day, I actually yesterday, yesterday was the seven year anniversary. I shared, I shared a post of it on our social media, but yesterday, uh, March 31st was the the anniversary of the very first debut of what would become the Loop. And I just told my wife, I'm like, Hey, I think I'm going to like make a few of these and post them on Facebook and and see if I can sell them. And she said, that's the dumbest idea ever. (laughs) (laughs) She thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. But, uh, i posted a picture of it kind of gave a brief description of what it does and i and i put a, a price amount of five dollars on them and i woke up the next morning and man my my inbox what i thought was just an overwhelming number of messages people requesting them you know probably something like 15 or 25 people were just like that's great i want them that's great i want them and i'm sitting here like i don't know what to do i start like getting a piece of paper and i'm like writing down addresses and trying to like scramble to like send people PayPal requests and all this other bullshit. It's just totally unorganized. You know, my wife, she's a genius when it comes to that kind of stuff. She, she's able to kinda of organize a payment system and and that was it. We didn't even have a name for it. It was just this this mic holder thing that that just got put together to to fix my problem that also fixed other cops problems too. And we just she built a website for it and we were just off to the races after that.
0: Nice. And how many I mean, I, I I did see your post yesterday. Um, I mean, how many mic loops do you think you've made?
1: Ah, that's always a question. I'd have to go look at our sales. Uh, man, I there's there's no way that I could put a number on the miles and miles of paracord and thread <laughs> that I have touched. <laughs> I mean, there's not. There's there's just not. I mean, to to put it to put it in perspective. A few times a month, we'll buy like 2,000 pieces of Velcro, you know, and just, they're gone, you know, so we're, we're shipping them to Amazon, we're selling them on our website, we're shipping them to people who want to buy bulk to retail them. And um, yeah, I mean, thousands, tens of thousands, uh, you know, we've, um, Panasonic actually contacted us to, to try to help them with a solution for a body camera that they had cause they asked if our mic loop would work for it. And so they sent us kind of a cool story. I'll try to make it fast, but they sent us the only prototype of the body camera that they had before it was ever released. Don't break it. (laughs) Yeah, that was exactly the guy's like, Hey, don't take any pictures of this. Don't break it. And I need this back in like six days. (laughs) So we're looking at this thing, you know, and it has a lanyard hole, you know, like remember the old cell phones, they had the little hole you stick the lanyard through. And it had a little lanyard hole. So we just, we bought some smaller paracord. We, we cut it to length and we just made basically a tether for it. So if the body camera comes off, it, it dangled. It won't fall to the ground. You have the $700 piece of equipment that goes away, you know, that's still attached. So, you know, we've, we've made God, a few orders of like 5,000 to Panasonic for those. And they would put them in the package, like in the box that went. Out with the body camera so that was pretty cool and um yeah man I, there's no way there's no way in hell i could put a number on how many we've we've sold or made no way
0: and so you you go through two thousand pieces of velcro every month uh do you remember the first time you had to buy the big fucking spool of 550 cord as opposed to like the just the little reams of it that you've been buying
1: you mean whenever we would go clear the shelves at like the Hobby Lobby store, <laughs> yeah. with the bags? Yeah. I thought we were a big business, man. We're by like, like, oh, yeah, that's like a fishing reel. Like we would have like this big, now we've just got stacks of them. You know, I mean, we used to, when we first started actually producing these, we would go to, to the craft stores or the big box, Walmart, and we would go buy the roll of Velcro and measure it, cut it with a razor. So like, dude you talk about daunting, it was a daunting task to, to prep all this stuff that we had so much prep work before we could actually assemble them and put them together. But, you know, connections and talking to people and asking for solutions, you know, we found ways to buy more bulk items and, and this and that. But, uh, yeah, it's been a journey for sure. It's definitely been a learning experience. I'm glad this is not a more complicated product. I'm glad that it's very simple because, uh, yeah.
0: Do you still, some get- of these guys that are, Go ahead. Uh, no, go for it. Go for it.
1: I was just saying, some of these guys that do, that do the 3D printing and the, the CNC machining themselves for the stuff that they send out, God bless them. God bless
0: them. Yeah, with their, their, their quarter-million-dollar CNC machine and the CAD software that requires an engineering degree to learn how to use and all that good stuff. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Does, all to uh, make, like, a back plate for a Glock. Right. You know? <laughs> all,
0: all to make this, this uh like... Half inch by three quarter inch piece
1: <laughs> yeah, they're gonna carve your name on your yeti
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad we bought the eighty thousand dollar laser to do that
1: <laughs> right so it's uh, yeah, definitely grown into more than a hobby, I mean so
0: well, and, and at what point did it so seven years ago, so two thousand fifteen, at what point did it surpass the hobby aspect?
1: Oh man. Um, very quickly. I mean, in that, in that first year, um, whenever we started, I think we thought we were, were real hot shit whenever we first sold a mic loop to a soldier in Hawaii. I was like, holy shit, somebody in a state that's out of the ocean in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> they bought from us, like, and we, put it in an envelope and mail to this guy, you know, and I mean, it's just like, oh my God, like we sold to like people in five states, you know, whatever the case was. And then, you know, forget the time that we sold a, sold one to somebody in another country. I mean, we were like, we were hot shit then, man. We were like, we're a global company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You change all your business cards to Mike Loop International. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's a good one. I'm going to write that down. Mike yeah, Luke's Hey,
0: have, write. have at it, man. Have at it when you just bring your, uh, your G six out, fly it out here to Phoenix. And, uh, uh, I'll buy you a steak dinner. How's that sound?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: PJ baby, private jet, you know, it. does, uh, do you give your shit, do you, do you, do you give your shit, do you give your wife shit anymore about how she thought it was the dumbest idea and here you are seven years later selling what can only be described of tens of thousands of Mike loops.
1: Only when I'm on a podcast or talking to somebody like on a live video about it and she's not in the same room. <laughs> That's the only time. No, I mean, we laugh about it today. I mean, and sometimes I'll kind of be like, Hey, you're able to quit your job because of this stupid idea. But I mean, I, quite honestly, I mean, the idea fixed my problem and it kind of became this, this, this thing that turned out to help other cops. But I mean, without her, not this business wouldn't be what it is. Without her drive to grow into an actual business, you know what I mean. She's a business mind. I'm just the I'm just the guy that had the idea, that's the face of the the stuff that's not afraid to talk on a camera. You know that's that's really about it. But this she she runs the show when it comes to the business end kind of things. So I'm very grateful for everything that she's put into what we have.
0: And and you do get uh, success stories. You you do post them up on Instagram every now and then. Are there any? Any of those specifically that that stick out to you, or you're like, holy shit, like that's that's awesome, dude. Like, I'm glad we could help you.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, there have been many times that I have read emails or, or or messages from guys, and I'm trying to hold back tears because, you know, working in the profession and understanding the gravity of of events take place, you get you get a different perspective. You can almost put yourself in somebody's position of like. Hey, I was in the fight with this guy or I was in this car crash. You know, my wife makes fun of me all the time because, you know, I'm really kind of emotional when it comes to stuff that hits home like that. And yeah, there've been, there've been several messages where I read them and I'm, I'm choking up because I know that, you know, whenever, whenever another cop says, because of something you made with your own hands, I used it and it saved my life. Dude, that there's there's no more rewarding feeling to know that that something that you created or did or made helps somebody go home to their family. So, you know, it's it's crazy, dude. It's been such an amazing journey, and it's just been so humbling to to uh, to be able to connect to so many people as a result of this. Everybody from you know these, I guess you could call them like celebrity cops, being able to like get in touch with them, to get to talk to, to guys on podcasts about, you know, who am I, you know, here I am just some regular guy, but getting to, to, to share my story. And then also get to touch the lives of these other, other guys who are just, just your customers and just using your product who so your product is actually helping. It's not just some, it's not just some holster. It's not just some Gucci knife. It's not some, you know, kick-ass mag carrier. It's, it's something that's functional that they are telling you this saved my life and and there's there's no way i could describe the sense of reward that i personally get from those messages
0: hell yeah man and uh and uh you'd had some some time on on swat as well um and you've got uh you've got your mic loops for both a plate carry with a little shorty loop and then you've got what i refer to as the hard uniform quote unquote or that you know the button down the very sort of stereotypical cop look. Um, do you have anything else in the pipe? I mean, you, you've done some stuff with body cameras, uh, you know, anything else kind of in the works or, or, Hey, you know, we, we've got our product, we've got our niche and we're kicking ass at it.
1: That's pretty much it. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not an inventor. I'm not some product creator. I've never once thought of myself as an inventor. Whenever people tell you, Oh, you're the creator, you're the inventor of the bike loop. Yeah. I mean, I came up with this, this whole thing, but, um, We're just we're just sticking with what we're doing, man. We're staying in our lanes. I don't want to get out of it. We'll sell other cops products on our website. You know, there's a couple of other guys that are cops or or ex-cops that have products that we also sell that we believe in. You know, we're not just out selling bullshit. About the only bullshit we sell is patches, but everybody loves patches, so it's not really bullshit. (laughs) But, you know. I've got a couple of them. (laughs) Yeah. I have a wall of them and a box full of them still. I don't know what to do with them, but... um, But yeah, you know, I mean, that's just it. I don't, I don't want to even offer bullshit to people. I want to know, I want them to know that, Hey, if I'm selling this to you, I know it works because I've actually used it and, you know, we're just going to stay in our planes And if we come across somebody else that has something that that works that we believe in, we'll, we'll buy a bunch of it. We'll offer it on our website too, you know, but yeah, we don't, I don't have any other ideas. I'm I'm not an idea guy.
0: well uh uh i i am looking forward to shot show twenty twenty three in Las Vegas is that something that's on your radar or do I need to promise you a red bull or something <laughs> well, stronger
1: <laughs> uh well you know the trade shows they've always been kind of a uh a, a dream to be able to go to you know police week and and shot show um you know, we've got a lot of kids at home and those things take place right during then school time and it makes it just really challenging for us. So we haven't really made that lead to go yet. We've had some invites from some other companies to join them at their tables and whatever. But um, you know, it's just it's just a step that we're not ready to, to really get into. You know, we've kind of thought it out what would we do if we went, you know, how much product will we have to like stockpile and build to to, to bring, or will we have like an on site assembly situation type of deal. Um But, um, we'll get there. It's just, it's just not in the pipe yet, but we'll get there.
0: I mean, it, in the, the hour that we've been talking, dude, I mean, you've, uh, you're, you're on the straight and narrow. I mean, I don't really know how else to to say that you're a, you're a solid dude and a family man and you've got your fucking priorities straight. You know, uh, I can, I'm I can, glad
1: somebody thinks
0: so. I can definitely appreciate that. I've, uh, we have one child, and I told my wife, I don't know, six weeks ago, uh, and it was like February, and shot show had just ended a couple weeks before that. And I'm like, okay, in a year, I would like to go to Las Vegas <laughs> and very, to, for very selfish reasons, because it's something I've wanted to do for, it'll have been 10 years at that point that I wanted to get out to shot show. Um, So, well, shit, man, hopefully we get to, we'll get to see out there, you know, one of these days.
1: It'll happen. I mean, that's that's just the thing I've, I've, over the last seven years, you know, I've, I've got to, to meet and shake hands with people that i never thought I would, you know, and it's just because, you know, we just said, Hey, look, we're just going to go do this and we get to go do it. We get to meet some cool people. So, you know, it's, it's just, we're just on the path man. we're just going to stay on this path and just see where it takes us. It's just, this business is, is more than just, you know, it, it, it's actually our, our, 100% livelihood now because, you know, my wife, she, she runs the business. So I stay home and run the business with her. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, we're just, we're just riding this wave, dude. I, I, I can't explain it any other way. You know, we just, we're just going to keep trucking and, and just see where it takes us really. If it takes us to so great. If it takes us to the police week, that's great. You know, but it's not like something where I feel this this overwhelming need to just have to go do it. You know,
0: what uh, um, if if somebody wants to get a hold of you uh, for like bulk orders, say like an entire departmental order, or if they've got their own you know brick and mortar store and they want to stock it, what's the best way to, for somebody to uh, to get a hold of you for that?
1: Just email us. Just there's a email contact on the website, themycloot.com. Themicloop dot com, or just email us at info at the mic loop. Um, also, we're on social media: Facebook or um, at the mic loop on Instagram. We're not hard to find, but um, yeah, we really we're really responsive to our, our direct messages and emails. So, if anybody wants to do anything like that or any any other particulars, you know, if they have questions about how to set it up or or orders that's that's where it reaches
0: and I can attest to uh Nick's attentiveness on uh on Instagram and his direct messaging when I started the uh the good cops giveaway back in like uh, I don't know I think I kicked it off in October of last year uh Mike loop and door jam were the first two people to uh to reach out and be like hey man We'll, we'll contribute, uh, which my little podcast, right, with, uh, you know, 30 episodes or whatever and uh, a whole 400 followers on Instagram. I was like, oh, shit, like these big ass companies want to come and hang out. And these really cool dudes are like, OK, cool. Yeah, we'll throw some sponsor stuff your way. So uh, I do appreciate that to you sort of face to face as it were, although there's a phone in the way. I do wanted to personally thank you for uh, for putting in stuff to uh, uh, the Good Cops giveaway uh, last year. Uh, I'll bug you again in about six months and we're gonna do another one. Okay.
1: <laughs> so we'll be ready man. Every, we'll, everybody we'll, we'll uh
0: the three winners have finally all gotten their boxes it's taken some time to to accrue everything and get them out um but uh oh man i have enjoyed our conversation um yeah man one one question i haven't asked and uh <clears throat> about about the mic loop where because it's it just it just like Came into my it came into my mind. When did you go from the radio mic cord holder thing to the mic loop?
1: Like the name, yeah. Like shit. Uh, you know, I was talking to a bunch of my friends. Like, I don't know what to name this thing. And one of my buddies, he's a clown. He was like, call it the mike hawk nine thousand. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna call it the mic mike loop mic mike You know, and and I think that's actually if you look in the comments of the original post on my my facebook page i think he put it in there too but um i don't know i think we just we just kind of again it just kind of goes into just keeping it simple you know it holds your mic and it's a loop it's the mic loop that's it and i was just like that's it right there boom the mic loop you know that's that's about as boring as the stories it can be is how I came up with. I mean, it's it's just, we named it what it does, man.
0: (laughs) Brilliance in basics.
1: I mean, if we wanted to be like everybody else, we could have called it like, you know, the, the ultra rad tactical Mike snagger, choker thing, whatever. I mean, there's, there've been several copies of ours that people have put out there now and they've, they've, They've doctored it up with a bunch of bullshit and made it look all like really fancy, pretty. Gave it all these kick-ass names, but it's like we buy them and they're just lame. You know, we buy one of them and look at it and it's like, lame." But I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just a big, you know, go taking it full circle and going back to like the principles of, you know, combat leadership. Simple. You just got to keep it simple, bro. And and that's just kind of what we've done with this. If you overcomplicate it, it just gets convoluted and, and, and foggy
0: exactly what's the the kiss principle right keep it simple stupid
1: exactly
0: i like it man nick you've got a microphone to the world dude with uh, a whole three listeners in europe and uh some in central america uh there's a uh, one guy in ghana africa i think that might have been an accident at any rate uh you've got a microphone to the world what does the world need to hear from nick tuttle with mike loop
1: Man, that's the biggest question I think anybody's ever asked me. Um, I don't know, man. Just be nice to everybody because kindness really wins over everything else. And it's really hard to just lose your ego. But um, if you lose your ego, something somebody, somebody told me this a long time ago, man, I really stand on it today. And it's applicable to a lot of situations if you kind of look at it broadly. But if you lose your ego, you will laugh all the way to the bank. And that can be a financial bank. That can be like an emotional bank or or whatever but you know we are our own worst enemies and when you allow yourself to get in your own way you'll lose every time so just lose yourself lose your ego and just work to help it help the person next to you and you know you do something good for somebody it's going to spread to them doing good for something somebody and just just let it go man now going back on that you know Cops need people to be bad at the idiots to keep them employed. So keep my brothers in blue employed, you know, go out and do something crazy. Just don't hurt anybody doing it, you know, but other than that, just be good to people. That's about all I got to say. And hopefully that, that message gets, uh, spread somewhere else. And somebody else can hear it.
0: Uh, I mean, it's, it's a consistent, uh, uh, message from a lot of my guests is just be nice to people. It's it's (laughs) not, not again, Brilliance and basics, it's not a very difficult concept, but it is lost on us, uh, so many of us, uh, and, and, and in all aspects of society, right? Cops need to be cool to other cops, uh, you know, from, from uh, you know, rank and file, supervisory level, what have you. But but people on the outside just need to be cool to each other, you know, and, and, uh, and have a, a modicum of respect for one another. Uh, so, no, I, I, I will continue to push that message out. Uh, on your behalf. Don't worry. We will uh, we will yeah, continue to, to tell people to to just be nice. I may or may not have uh, tackled the guy one night who was fighting my partner and told him that that's what he got for not being nice. <laughs> so it's it's a message that I have uh, been trying to spread uh, for quite some time. So again, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, for what it's worth, little old me, uh, I endorse the shit out of the mic loop. I think it's an excellent product. It, uh, it keeps your microphone where it needs to be when it needs to be there. Uh, those guardian angels in the dispatch center, uh, and I'm not being facetious, I, I do truly look at, at dispatch like that, uh, they they will do everything in their power to help you, but you've got to be able to communicate, uh, and, and Nick's product allows you to continue to do that, even when you're in the fight for your life, you're... Uh, you know, knock down drag out in, in some clay in Arkansas, in the desert of Arizona, if you're on a beach in California, uh, shit, I'm sure you could be falling out of an airplane and your microphone would probably stay where you needed it to, although if you're falling out of an airplane, you have bigger issues um, that uh, that I don't know if any product will solve that short of a parachute, but either way, find yourself a mic loop, you can get it on Amazon, you can get it on Nick's website, uh, hit him up on Instagram, give him a, a like and a follow. And uh, and let's just keep being nice to one another. So, again, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. And everybody else out there, stay safe. We'll see you on the road.